let us adore him, simply. We'll talk about the text we just read together and talk about the, the Magi coming to visit and to, uh, to gift Jesus and uh, talk about how that, to some degree, uh, affects us and, and maybe we can get some concrete application of that to our lives. Then uh, there was really only three of them, uh, the video notwithstanding. But here's the story of these three enigmatic, mysterious figures who visit Jesus. And we don't know much about these uh, three men. And uh, the scriptural text is rather quiet about the details of who they are. And so there are a lot of questions and a lot of studies and a lot of research gone on through the, through the centuries. You know, who were these guys? And were they wise men? Were they sorcerers? Were they astrologers? You know, the word magi is of Persian origin. They may have been from Persia. They're obviously not, probably not Jewish. And they, they, they somehow were led to bring gifts into the, the baby. And, uh, and so we had this beautiful story and we celebrated and we see the men on camels. And, uh, we, uh, Hear the, the song, We Three Kings of Orient Are, Bearing Gifts We Traverse Afar. And um, the story just sticks with us year in and year out. Um, and they come and they uh, bow and worship the Lord Jesus, and then they, bring, they give him gifts. And, of course, as we go through this Christmas season, we would do well right from the start to do something like what they did, right? To bow before him and worship him, to, to bring unto him gifts. And so this morning, we need to talk about these two things in a little bit more detail. After seeking out Jesus, after following a star, finding, having found their way to Jesus, having been led to him, there are a couple of things that, that, that do stand out. And number one is the fact that they, first of all, worshiped him. We saw that in the text, right? We read that in the text together. And so after they heard the king, they went on their way. Uh, we, we have the situation where uh, they had, had come into, they, uh, verse 14, on coming to the house, they saw the child and his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They didn't know all of who he was. They didn't know all about what he was going to do. They didn't know anything about the new covenant. They didn't know anything about, I think, about his death, his burial, his resurrection. But they bowed down and worshipped him. Now, we would do well to, to explore for a few moments what does it mean to worship him? What is, what is worship? Our word worship, our English word, is derived from a Saxon Old English word, worship, which basically has to do, well, it, it's, you know, it's worship in a way that I can't pronounce, W-E-O-R-T-H-S-C-I-P-E, and it means worship or worthiness. And so worship is about Seeing and appreciating and, and honoring the worth of the object or the person worshipped and acknowledging that. It's hard to worship something or someone who has no worth. But our God is of inestimable worth, infinite worth. And so he is worthy of our worship because he has the worth-ship. And so somehow these guys knew. And I wonder because I think there are a lot of Christians that don't quite have this together. There are a lot of believers that don't know in their spirit, in their heart, they haven't been convinced of who Christ is and what he means and what he has done for us and what he will do for us. But somehow these three mysterious fellows who come from some pagan land maybe who have no understanding of, 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 of the gospel as we know it because it hasn't been formed yet, but they probably don't have any knowledge of the old covenant, of the law, of, of Moses and the prophets. 
But somehow they see in this little baby lying here, God somehow has allowed them to see the worth and the value and the glory of this child, this baby. So, worship connotes actions motivated by an attitude that reveres, honors, or describes the worth of a person or object. Somehow these three men, they saw the baby Jesus. They realized he was to be worshipped. Sometimes for some of us, we've seen the baby Jesus. We've seen the Lord Jesus. We've seen him in our lives. We've seen him in our circumstances. He stepped up and helped us when we were helpless. He pulled us out of the, uh, of the, of the pit of sin. He pulled us out of, of, of sin and death and, and condemnation. He set us in a high place. He, he saved us when we were lost. He, he blessed us when we were struggling. He helped us through our trials and our, our, our tribulations. And somehow, but we, we, we behold Jesus and we're like, we could be rather apathetic about him. I said, we could be rather apathetic about him. And so, Christmas is about, over and above everything else, it's about worship. That's why I'm glad to see that y'all came, are coming to church. Now, don't, don't let me down next Sunday <laughs> and next Sunday night. But you realize Christmas is about worship. Christmas is not, from a biblical perspective, from a gospel perspective, Christmas is not about shopping. Christmas is not about toys. It's not about Santa Claus who doesn't exist. It's not about trees. It's not about lights on your house. It's not about any of that stuff. It's about worshiping the newborn king who has become the king of glory, who died on the cross and who's given a name that above every name that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. That's what Christmas is about. And what, what's more important is this. Cultural Christmas or the fact that we as, as believers honor and worship Jesus, the cannot, I mean, well, here's, here's the question, I'm sorry. What's more important, cultural Christmas or the Christmas that we celebrate as Christians, as we celebrate the birth of Christ, we honor and worship Jesus, the incarnate word, we worship him in spirit and in truth, and we, and we not only worship him with our lips, but we worship him with our lives. What's more important? Obviously, biblical Christmas, theological Christmas, gospel Christmas. Right now, we need to be, we, we're free to participate in the, in the cultural Christmas that we do, right? We, we um, you know, I will at some point, maybe by the 24th, buy a tree. See, at the 24th, you go out there, that's when they've already, they're deserting the lots and you get the left. But the... Con- don't be misled and don't be sucked into some stupid idea of the war on Christmas. That's not, the church has, that's, that has nothing to do with us. Whether the confession that we as Christians are, are, the confession that changes our life is not Merry Christmas, it's Jesus is Lord. Uh, somebody's putting a, putting a false issue in front of us to, to, to cause us to become angry about something that doesn't even matter. I don't care. Because that's, that's not the essence of the holiday. And for us as Christians, that's not, that's not where our power and our witness is. It's not in Merry Christmas. It's in p- people that, who are Christ followers that live in such a way that demonstrate who Christ is and his love and what he's about to the world around you, not only on Christmas, during Christmas season, but year round. So we're caught up on stuff that doesn't, mean, doesn't make any sense. Christmas as a holiday is not a biblical value. It's a, it's, a, it's a holiday that we as Christians use to celebrate the birth of Christ. But it's a holiday that culturally God has no concern over. And you know what? It's not that 
And you'll know that there's no, there's no great witnesses and no great power in nice little Christmas stories as far as, you know, the movies you see on TV and the little, and all of those. Nobody gets saved with Rudolph the Red Nose, right? All the nice little Santa. Nobody gets, no, nobody's, lives are, nobody's lives are changed by, by Santa Claus. And I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not one, I'm not downing the symbols of the season. I, I embrace, we embrace that, but I'm just saying, we have, we have an opportunity to look clearly at the issues that matter. And the issues that matter are not that. God does not care. The gospel has no, no, no interest in, in cultural Christmas. Christmas is a holiday. Who cares? Jesus didn't tell us to celebrate his birth. The New Testament church, they didn't celebrate, to our knowledge, his birth. What did they celebrate? His death, his burial, his resurrection. Because that's what made all the difference in our lives. But we celebrate the birth of Christ, and we do it, we understand what's behind it, and we realize that it is first and foremost about worship. And that's what we need to make sure that we don't allow the trappings of the season and the busyness of the season and the materialism of the season and the secularization of the season. That's why I'm not too concerned about whether people say Merry Christmas or not, because otherwise what you're just doing is secularizing something that should be sacred. Just because everybody's, you know, gumming Merry Christmas doesn't mean that they understand what it's about. And it's more important that you live a life that honors God than that you mouth Merry Christmas. I I hope that my life shouts Merry Christmas to somebody. I hope that somewhere along the line, when the people, somebody sees me coming, they, 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 they feel the love of God and the, and the blessing of God coming on. I, I want to be that kind of person that, that I make a difference in the world, not just spouting stuff, because that's what we do all the time. Praise the Lord. God is good all the time. We got all kinds of platitudes, and they're, they're wonderful when they're real, but we, they could so easily be falsified and just, just become just stuff we mouth. And so that's the confession that, that matters. Jesus is Lord. We worship him during this season. Uh, we worship him during the holiday season. We worship him 24-7. We worship him 365 days a year. And the cliche goes, wise men still seek him. Well, wise men not only do that, but wise men and my, wise women still bow before the presence of Jesus, the king, and worship him and honor him. And they did, did it by kneeling in his presence physically. But our worship is more holistic. Okay? What do you mean by that? It involves not just the realization of his worth. It involves not just knowing that he's special. It's not simply the awesomeness of who we might think he is, but we are in possession of the whole story, the gospel. I was thinking of the first few lines of the Apostles' Creed. The church historically embraced these truths. It says, I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of a Virgin Mary. For a lot of people, okay, that's Christmas. Merry Christmas, there's Santa Claus. That's it, the babe in the manger. But guess what? That baby grew up. So the church historically goes beyond that. They said, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. That's the baby that we worship during this Christmas season. Sometimes we, we like to leave him in that cradle because he, can't, he, he ain't got no teeth yet. He, he can't, he can't, the baby can't mess with you too much. All the nice little, you know, all the nice little platitudes and all the nice little pleasantries about the babe in the manger. But you, you listen to any good Christmas hymn, such as What Child Is This? That um, Angeli was, uh, I was, we were playing a recording that you can get that. That's a, the McCrary Christmas record. I almost said Christmas. But you listen to those, those hymns 
And they take it down the line. Nails will pierce him. They talk about his death and, and what he accomplishes, the, the entirety of the gospel. And isn't it something that, that that gospel, sometimes you'll be in a store and you'll hear one of those Christmas hymns. And be, it'll be somebody like Ben Crosby or something. And they'll be, but they'll be singing these words of gospel truth. Yes. But man, it goes in one ear and out the other, doesn't it? But to me, when I hear it, it's like, man, that's the gospel, the good news. It's not just that he was a babe born, you know, in a manger somewhere. But wow, you know, the fact that he, he died for our sins, that he, that, that he fulfilled prophecy, the fact that he's coming again, that he ultimately will rule, rule and reign forever. That's the gospel. That's what gets me excited. And so worship includes something beyond what the Magi saw and something beyond what they knew. And you and I know it because God has made himself up close and personal in our lives. Because Jesus came into the world as a baby. He was born into the world. He came in and took on our humanity. He knows what we experience. He knows what we feel like. So we can worship him and give him thanks because of the fact that he understands our pain, our suffering, our struggle. And he's with us in every moment of it. Every moment of it. But the second thing they did, and it has application to us as well. They brought him gifts. And no, hummus was not part of it. The wise men, they worship Jesus. And just as the, they worshiped him, the presence of Christ in our lives should as well compel us to offer our lives yes. as gifts to God. Bringing gifts, as, it were, as, it, as we see in the text, was particularly important in the ancient East when approaching someone who was superior to yourself. And so frankincense is this glittering, odorous gum obtained by making incisions in the bark of several trees, myrrh, exudes from a tree found in Arabia and a few other places and was a much valued spice and perfume used in embalming. And so ancient commentators such as Origen have found symbolic value in these gifts, gold suggesting royalty, right? Uh, Incense suggesting divinity and myrrh, the passion and burial of Christ. Now these that's kind of legendary. There's no necessarily sound theological connection there, but uh, sometimes that can be, we can read a little bit too much into the story, right? But these gifts were expensive, and they were not ultimate, ultimately uncommon presents, and they may have helped actually finance the trip uh, of Jesus and his family to Egypt, right? Because they had to get out of there, because you know who was on their tail, Herod, right? And so, and that's kind of why we, 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 use that as, we use that as an excuse to exchange gifts on Christmas, right? Yeah, you know, the, the, the wise men did it. But what happens is this. Uh, we we, uh, we, we kind of run amok with that thing. The, because sometimes if Christmas is all about buying, some, buying each other presents and saving money and spending money that you don't have to impress people that you don't like, you know, it's a beautiful thing. And, and I, I need to be careful. I shouldn't say this because some of you may want to gift your pastor. <laughs> and, 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 when, and when you do so, I'm not going to say, get that, 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 that file, that foul. No, I'm going to say, thank you. God bless you. I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not, you know, you know me. I'm not, I'm not like a, a Christian Scrooge, right? But just looking at it real and looking at the issues, we really, we get that out of perspective. Because no matter how much money you've got, no matter if you're rich or poor, you can offer this one gift to Christ. It won't cost you a lot of money. You don't have to go in debt to, to buy it. The greatest gift of all, and, and this is the, the, the one gift that really matters at Christmas time, the second one, because the first one is the fact that God gave his son to us. 
But amen. But the second gift is this, that we give back to God this one precious gift. And it's not, it can't be contained in a box. It can't be, it doesn't come in a shopping bag or one of those pretty little gift bags that you try to undo and save and use them to give it to somebody else, right? But it is the gift of our lives back to God. That's the second gift of Christmas. The first one is the fact that Christmas is about God sent his son God so loved the world that he gave, he sent his only son to die for us. But the, the, the gift that goes along with that, that, because, you know, you have to have a little reciprocity, right? Reciprocity, you know. I, going back, back in, I remember in Psalm, uh, Psalms 116, 12, the psalmist poses this, this question. What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? And, you know, it's this, it's this question. Wow. How many of you know, how many can say God has been good to me? Has God been good to you? Some, I'm, and, and maybe you've got some struggles in your life. Maybe you're not where you want to be or where you thought you would be at this point in your life. But the idea, I think we realize all of us, that's probably why you're at church, right? You don't go to church unless you have some kind of sense that, wow, there is a God and he somehow has been is, is speaking to me or he's, he's guiding me. He's, he's, he's done something. He's got my attention at least. And so there's this idea, what, wow, God, you've been good. What can I do? And so he says in, in, in Psalm 116, he says, I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord and in the presence of all his people. That's the Old Testament. And it gets kind of deep. Well, how do I, that's very, you know, the proverbial cup of salvation. I'll lift it up to the Lord. You know, how do you do that? I'll call on the name of the Lord. That's a good one, right? I'll fulfill my vows to the Lord, whatever that may be, right? In the presence of all his people. You know, but in the New Testament, it comes into a, a clearer focus, this idea that God has done incredible things for us. And there's something we do in response to that. It's not that we're trying to reciprocate in the sense of trying to pay back or trying to make, make it seem as though we're worthy. But there is a there is a there is a, an appropriate response, right, to what God has, has done in our lives. I think if you were wise, if you believe God really exists, that if you have breath in your lungs and you have the, the activity of your limbs, as folks used to say, if you, you know, if, if you are clothed, hopefully you are if you're here, and in your right mind, right? If you got a little something going on in life, you, you, you want to give a little props to the one who created you, who made you, right? If you've got a little blessing in your life, if, if, you've, got a, if you've got a little, if you can see a way clear just a little bit, you, you give some honor. What, and so that, that was the idea. And in the New Testament, think about what, what this Christmas thing means for us, what God has done for us through Christ. Man, Christmas doesn't cut it in this century. All like Jesus, you came into the world, you took on our humanity, you, you suffered like we did, and you went through all the stuff. You died on the cross. You buried, you rose again. Wow. I think I have another glass of eggnog. <laughs> wow. I, I'm, I'm going to show you how much I love you. I'm going to get one of those things that is like, see, this is people got lazy now because, you know, they used to put up lights on the house. Now they got the little projection thing. <laughs> that's, that's lazy, man. I'm going to show you how much I love you, Lord. I'm going to put a black angel on top of my tree. <laughs> I'm going to show you how much I love you, Lord. I'm going to eat an extra slice of sweet potato pie. <laughs> I was somewhere last week. It was so stupid because this, 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 this lady I was working with, she, had a, she brought in this pie, right? <laughs> and I, this is a stupid, what's that? <laughs> And what I meant, I was—I didn't know her very well. What I meant, I was thinking, you know, because I don't do pumpkin. I do sweet potato. And so I was thinking, so, so she said, uh, that's a sweet potato. But I'm like, dummy, 
But I said, yeah. I said, I, I, I made some small talk about sweet potato pie, right? And then, thankfully, a couple periods later, she brought me a little place. Here, it's a slice for you. I hadn't eaten that day, so I, I must have had a serious sugar rush because I ate that bad boy. <laughs> Lord, I'm going to cook a big dinner for all my families. I'm going to show you how much I love you. I'm, I'm, I'm going to give a $10 extra in the offering when I don't give anything usually anyway. You know, all the things, there's a lot of stuff we do, and it's beautiful for what it is. And the people stuff and the love stuff and the family stuff is wonderful. And God gets glory out of that. But, you know, bottom line is just doing Christmas as usual, business as usual, doesn't really, it doesn't answer this question, what shall I render unto the Lord? Romans 12, 1 puts it like this. If you want to bring a gift to, to, to Jesus, if you want to bring a gift to the Savior on his birthday, it's a good time to check yourself and make sure that you really are focused on him. Make sure that you really, that he really has your attention. Make sure that you do. And we sang about it when we sang this song, I give myself away. Romans 12, 1, therefore, Paul writes, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies in what he means as your entire selves. Because a nice holistic biblical anthropology means that your body represents you. Don't try to get all deep. Well, my spirit was there. No, your, your spirit is in your body, and that's where it's going to be. And guess what? When this one dies, you're going to get a new one. But he says, I, in view of God's mercy, present your lives. Let the gift that you give God be nothing more than and nothing less than all of you. All that you are. Everything you have, everything you don't have. You. He says, present yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. See, because all the other stuff, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to serve the Lord. The Lord knows I work real hard. I worked on the parking lot for 47 years. I know some churches I've been in. There was a certain class of guys. They get these jobs in church, and, they, and it precludes them from ever having to hear the word. Because I, I work on the parking lot. I work, one church I grew up in, they had, this, this ba- they had a basement. And they cooked chicken down there in the basement every Sunday for all of my life. They're probably still doing it right now. And there were some people that never came about the basement. <laughs> they said, they, the, the people that were cooking the chicken. And you'd be downstairs, and you could hear the foot stomping on the world. There's eating that chicken. Saints having a time upstairs, right? But, you know, what he wants is all of us. Um, you, we give to God in the sense we give monetarily, although a, a good New Testament understanding of that is that we really, or biblical understanding is that everything we own belongs to God anyway. And so you're not really giving God anything. You're being a good steward, right? Uh, we, we, we try to do things for God. We try to give God things almost in a kind of material sense. We try to, these representative things that seem to represent a gift to the Lord. I'm going to give you a gift. I'm going to not cuss for one week. God is not impressed. He's not impressed. See, in Acts 17, and I love this because it, it, it centers us. 17.25, Paul says this of God. The fact that he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. I've been meaning to put up a wish list on Amazon and give it to y'all. Give it to (laughs) y'all. But the idea is that some people think, I'm doing this because Jesus needs it. No, God God is not served by human hands. He doesn't need any of your stuff. He doesn't need your junk. He is not looking for you to give him any kind of payback. And he goes on and says, rather he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. The idea here really is that that we don't serve God. 
God serves us. And if we will not allow God to serve us, we will not be served. And we will not be blessed. Right? You understand that? Remember Jesus was washing feet? I thought about having a good old-fashioned foot washing service. But not here. have an odor eaters ministry a week before that <laughs> but when jesus what you know is and like you know he's doing because he's serving he's saying, i'm serving you all i'm getting down low and he comes to peter peter still got in his stacy's right <laughs> says no nah, lord you, you ain't never gonna wash these dogs remember, <laughs> you remember <laughs> you remember what jesus said to him unless i wash you you have no part in me and so we try so hard to, to show that, to prove stuff to God and to serve God. God said, well, you sit down and be quiet, be still. Put your faith in me and let me serve you. And then give me the one gift that I asked for. And that's the gift of you. Give yourself back to me. The only thing we can give Jesus is ourselves. And we give the gift of ourselves, of course, not just at Christmas, right? But it's a good time to think about it. So when you think about when you go to the tree on, what is it, next Monday? And you see those boxes, or you go like to my house, and my wife has these fake boxes. So before there's any real gifts, it already looks like there's gifts under the tree. And they come nested, and you take them all in there. When you look, let that remind you of something. Let that remind you of the fact that God sent his son into the world to save you. Let that remind you of the fact that God calls upon you to give him nothing less and nothing more than the gift of yourself. Your life, your time, your, your talent, your treasure. But you, and that first means giving your heart to him and giving your attention to him. And, and giving, your, giving your mind to him and allowing him to rule and reign in your life. And everything flows from that. When you give Jesus your heart, everything else comes with it. When you, you know, you, you, if you give him your heart, you're going to give him your money. If you give him your heart, you're going to give him your time. If you give him your heart, you're going to give him your stuff. It just follows but what he wants. So, song they used to sing when I was a kid. All he wants is you. No one else what will do. Not just a part. He wants all of your heart. All he wants is you. And that's what you get for growing up, playing in church for like 50 years. You know all these little songs that nobody else knows or has forgotten. But that's the truth. All he wants is you. So maybe what you should do is get you a bag of those little bowls with little stick-on ones. Put some, get some alcohol and kind of quiet your skin from all that grease. And stick one of those bowls on your head and lay down under the tree for a minute and, and think about it. But, but going back, but more than that, do what Paul admonishes us to do and present our, your bodies. We present our bodies, the entirety of ourselves, all that we have, all that we've got. We present, we present that to Jesus like in, in Romans 12. The idea is, is a, a once and for all thing. Do it. Some of you have made decisions. You know when you meant, when you meant it. You know, when, you know when you said never again or not, no more or that's it. You knew when you, knew when you did that and, and you were serious about it and you stuck by it, right? And you knew what you said, no more, that that probably meant one more. Or two more. That was, a, that was a provisional no more, right? But listen, we present ourselves for good. I said, well, how do you do that, Charles? Well, 
I, I'm just so boring because it always goes back to the basic, basic disciplines of the, of the faith. You do what you're doing today. You came here today because I think we all came here because we came to present ourselves before the Lord and to, to hear a little bit more about what he wants for us so we could try to live that out. O- open your Bible every day and let him speak to you. That's one of the ways we give we, because we're giving God our attention and we're opening our ear and our mind to what he has to say to us. Take time to talk to him. You don't have to, don't worry, you don't have to be a prodigious prayer. I've been around, sometimes the prodigious prayers are the ones you've got to watch out for. But they just like to hear themselves pray. Oh God, our help in ages past. A bulwark never failing. We come to thee now, and humbly as we know how. And we thankest thou, that thou knowest our going in and our comest out. Don't try to speak in old English, you don't know it. <laughs> But you just talk to God. God, I, I, I'm just really honest with God. I, tell, I just tell God, God, I'm hurting right now. If I'm embar- God, I'm embarrassed. God, I feel dissed or whatever. I just tell God. I just talk to him. I said, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm going through. This is where I am. Would you help me, sir? Would you, would you, would you, would you deliver me of my, of my folly? Would you help? Would you get my mind straight? But I just talk to him. And that's what you do. You just tell him, Lord, things are going terrible. Lord, I need some money. In church, Christians always refer to money as finances. <laughs> you, you, could just, <laughs> you could just you could just call it money. Uh, would you pray for me to, for my finances? This is a, Lord, I, Pastor, pray for me. I need some money. How can we, we, we're not that real about it. Okay, you can still say finances. I'm not going to be mad at you. But, but we, we present ourselves to God. We, we present ourselves to Him. We give ourselves to Him. The, the, the Magi didn't have that, that deep understanding. They were doing the best they knew how in their world and in their understanding. They were given this, this, this divine guidance and this star was t- pointing them to the, to the baby Jesus. And they didn't, they didn't have a big theological framework. They didn't have the Apostles' Creed looming before them. They didn't have a, a, a big, deep understanding. They just, sometimes, and that's the way God has worked in some of, your, some of your lives. That Sometimes you didn't know what you were doing, but you just said yes to him. And you just went forward and you just moved move toward him. And you just, you know, you heard the call and you kind of went even though you didn't know what the call was. Some, of you, some people just show up at church. I don't know why I'm here. I can tell you why you're here, but I might not tell you for a couple of Sundays to help you, you know. I, I, I know why you're here. And so they just went and they just did it. And they worship him and they give him all of these elaborate and beautiful gifts. And with all the symbolism that is debatable. But the bottom line is this. The bottom line is this. They, the fact that they gave him gifts symbolizes to us and represents to us the fact that we give him gifts as well, but the, there's only one that really matters, and that's you. You ever been in a relationship with somebody and you, which, and they just don't don't answer this, okay? But you know, you, <laughs> you want that person's attention, but they buy you stuff. Somebody say, "I wish I was in that kind of relationship. I buy me something. But you know, what I'm you sometimes a relationship needs the giving of one another in 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 in. in, in in time and in communication, and, and we, but we try to buy ourselves out of that by giving, oh, here's another watch. I got five watches that you just bought me last week. You know, you know here's, here's another, here's a pretty dress for you to put on. Here, I, bought, I bought you a Mercedes. I bought you a, a Aston, I saw an Aston Martin last week. It was really cool. An Aston Martin. And you're saying, but will you just talk to me? Can we just spend some time together? Can, 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 can we, have, you know, and, and that's the same thing. We, we're trying to gift God in other ways. 
We're trying to work real hard. I want you to work real hard. We all work real hard for the kingdom. But we do that in place of the intimacy and the giving of yourself in relationship that God is, that Jesus is really looking for. Did I mess that up with that illustration? <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Me and the leaders of this church, we want you to tithe and give offerings. Big time. Because we're trying to do something. We're serving God. We're, we're ministering to the world. But you know, there's some Christians that will do that, but won't talk to Jesus. They'll write a check, but they won't read the Bible. They'll, they'll, they'll serve in the usher board. They'll sing in the choir, but they won't, they, won't, they won't set aside any time, any space in their lives. They say, I'm going to give you this gift. I'm giving you this gift. He says, would you give me the only gift that matters? You. It's not what you do. It's not the, the frenetic activity that you're involved in. It is you just simply giving yourself to God. And that means that you give him your heart. You give him your time and your attention. You listen to him. You, get with, you connect with his people. Because you want to be a part of what he's doing in the world. That's what we do. And then that flows to this thing we call service. And then that is where we start to get in the zone where we kind of become like Jesus. Because Jesus came and he's this baby in the, in, in the manger. And he's being, he's, being, uh, he's, you know, he's being worshipped and gifted by the Magi. And, and the story continues on. But we understand this, that the Son of Man didn't come to be, to be served, but he came to serve. That's who Jesus is. And so this whole thing, when we give ourselves as the, that ultimate and, and final and perfect gift to Jesus, then we become somehow like him because he came to serve and then we will serve as well. What are you planning to do this holiday season for somebody else? What are you planning to do this holiday season beyond some turkey and some mistletoe. Do y'all have mistletoe with y'all? I never. <laughs> Is that a cultural thing? <laughs> Everybody knows. What are, you, what are you doing to help somebody? What are you doing to make a difference in the life of somebody? What are you doing to come outside of yourself other than reciprocating gifts? What about giving to those who have no capacity to, re, to, to repay? What about ministering to those who have no capacity to do anything for themselves and ultimately need you? Because that's what comes, becomes of our lives when we become more and more like Jesus. These three guys, not four, sometimes referred to as kings, the magi, they have one unique place in history, and that is that they are the first in the New Testament, the first individuals to bow down and worship the Lord Jesus. So this Christmas, we would do well to follow their examples. We can't be the first, but you might be the first in your family to bow down and worship Jesus. You might be the first in your community to bow down and worship Jesus. You may be the first among your friends to to make that decision to bow down and worship Jesus and to give him all that you are. N.T. Wright characterizes Christmas as the moment when God launched a divine rescue mission of humankind. And that's what Christmas is all about. And thank God, man, I've been rescued. Jesus came. The gospel came to me. I said yes. And I've been walking in Christ ever since. And so what we observe as Christians during this season, it doesn't have anything to do with malls and trees and sweet potato pies. 
Although if you have one laying around, don't let it go to waste. <laughs> or it has nothing to do with the commercialization of Christmas, Christmas or human sentiment. Christmas is about God coming to save us in the person of Jesus. Christmas changed everything. And Christmas changes us if we understand the message. But let us bring him worship. Let us give him the gift of ourselves. In the words of of that hymn, what child is this? So bring him incense, gold, and myrrh, figuratively speaking, right? He says, come, peasant, king, to own him. The king of kings salvation brings. Let loving hearts enthrone him. That's what it's all about. Amen? Amen. Amen.